0: Philippians chapter 1, pastor has asked me to do a series on this year's theme, and I'm excited, but I have been told I am the long preacher (laughs) by some unnamed folks. What I will say is the schedule is stacked against me tonight. We have Lord's Supper. But nonetheless, I will try to be done by nine, Breck. (laughs) Um, uh, So striving together. Um, And tonight we're going to look at this idea of why we fail to strive together. As we open up this introductory thought on Philippians chapter 1. I was going to read some things uh, in the entire chapter here, but because I'm afraid of time. I don't want to be known as the long-winded guy, because that usually means it's not the good guy. Let's be honest, right? When that guy gets up there and he preaches forever and it's good, you don't even think about time. But when they say, hey, you're the long-winded guy, it's like, okay, I I get it. I pick up what you're putting down. You're not enjoying it. So, uh, but, so we'll just read one verse actually tonight. And if you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God, we're going to read our theme verse for the year, Philippians chapter 1, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Father, tonight we do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together with your people. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, what an encouragement it is to be a part of this family of believers. And so, Father, we ask for your blessing as we look at some things from your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts. and Lord, you know my desire is that we would be bound together in unity. And Lord, I pray that anything that would bring discord or distraction or schism in this body would be dealt with tonight, that we might go forth for the cause of Christ and for the gospel. And, Father, tonight we do pray for our pastor as he travels over the next few days. We pray that you just give him safety, watch over him, protect him. And, Lord, we look forward to his return. Bless now, I pray that your will is done in each and every heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And so here in our text tonight, Paul reminds those at Philippi that it is important that their conversation and really, or that their citizenship is right. Uh, Talking about only let your conversation, their citizenship, their behavior, their manner of life. Uh, And so some of you uh, may not know this. Nobody, I don't even know if my wife knows this, but I was honored to be recognized with an outstanding citizenship award in third grade. So, and, and I get it, right? I wasn't the smartest kid. And so we're like, hey, this kid does pretty good. He gets along, you know, so let's recognize him for something. We can't recognize him academically. We can't, so, you know, he's, he's not a terrorizer in the classroom, so I got the good citizenship award. I was conducting myself in a good manner in that environment. And I was recognized for it. And uh, apparently I'm going to take it to my grave. I haven't forgot it. Um, Paul is telling the church at Philippi here, you must walk worthy of your citizenship. And he's not talking as citizens of Philippi and citizens of Rome, Philippi being a Roman colony. uh, Historically, they were very proud of that. He's talking about their citizenship as Christians, their citizenship in heaven. Uh, and that their walk should rec- uh, be conducive of that. And so let your conversation, excuse me, I just spit on my Bible. Uh, that, that term there that we see in our English, let your conversation is the Greek word in poludima, something like that. And it means to behave as a citizen. Uh, some may say politicking. Uh, Paul reminds them that they are citizens of heaven not just citizens of philippi or or of rome but they're citizens of heaven and and listen and this is what i want you to get tonight that their singular focus and responsibility is to conduct themselves as such and hopefully we can unwrap that thought here a little bit tonight and so as the people of god our chief focus ought to be the advancement of god's kingdom not our kingdom uh, not anything but the kingdom of God, we might say Paul gives the Philippian believers one assignment. And, and we know, and, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to take you there, but we know that Paul was hoping to come and visit them. And so in in, focus, in thinking on that in advance of his hope for a visit, he was encouraging them to live a life worthy of the gospel. Uh, and this, we see this teaching throughout the epistles. Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of, of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Similarly, in, in Colossians 1.10, that ye walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so Paul reminds them of this. And in our text here, I'm going to read it again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And he says this, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs and stand, or that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen, I have some heroes of the faith, if you will. I have some men that I don't want to let down in my Christian life. How much more important is our Lord? Well, The Bible tells us, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Whether the preacher's here and he's gone tonight... Uh, or some special speaker comes into town, uh, the, the story should be the same in our lives, that we're here conducting ourselves in a way that advances the gospel. Uh, so, and, and I think you guys are, are understanding of this. This is not talking about just our verbal words here. That conversation, it's our citizenship, it's our conduct, it's our manner of life. And, and so <clears throat> it's how people see and perceive us. He's telling these Christians here that there's certain conduct that's expected. It's expected. But tonight I want to focus on the opening word of this verse. And I think if we can get a hold of this truth tonight, God can do some amazing things with our church. Um, And so stick with me tonight. Hopefully it'll make sense as we move along here. What's the first word? Only. 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 It comes from the Greek monon, and it is rooted in monos, meaning soul or single. Here's, Webster, here's how Webster's 1828 defines the word only. This and no other. It's pretty exclusive. And he gives this example. This is an only child. This and none else the only thing. And, and I think those that have one child can understand that. The last grains don't understand that. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Um, praise the Lord. This leaves room for nothing else. He says, only let your conversation, so our manner of life should only be in place and have an effect on the gospel. Every aspect of our lives. Our sole focus ought to be the advancement of the gospel. Listen, in our families. Listen, we're to train our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not, they're not our kids. We ought to be training them and equipping them to take the bat- baton one day. Um, I don't have a lot of time. I better be careful, but... Listen, some people let kids run the home. And I'm so thankful for, for some mentors in the faith years ago when Cindy and I, I was just a, I mean, I was just a young airman. I'm an idiot, you know, and, and may, I guess much hasn't changed in that regard. But, um, you know, you're just young. You don't know a lot about life. You think you do. You think you got everything figured out. I got this. But you really, truly don't. Until you start living this thing, you get some experience, and listen, you get some years behind you. So I'm so thankful for some wise folks that came alongside of Cindy and I and and taught us in the faith. We were a part of a church plan, and I know God did that intentionally in our lives to prepare us for something. I had no idea what we were going to do, but the Lord knows. So we have little Caleb, born in Las Vegas, Nevada. And oftentimes people will use their children as an excuse not to do things. And we were always taught, hey, your kids ought to be a part of that and you serving the Lord. And so I remember as a hundred and stupid out in southern Nevada. And we're door knocking. And Cindy's pushing a stroller with baby Caleb, as they used to call him. Clayleb. Listen, we ought to be training and teaching our kids from the moment they come from the womb. Listen, we heard this morning, they come out, wicked as all get out. We need to start quick and early. Listen, our families should not take place of our responsibility in the gospel. As we have children, we need to bring them in to the fold and and bring them in and begin training and teaching them what it means to minister. Uh, Our kids should be helping us labor and work in ministry. Serve the Lord together. Teach your children to labor in the gospel. Paul gives the church at Philippi the singular one assignment to labor in the gospel, to strive together, to work together. Your only responsibility is the advancement of the gospel. So there's no greater thing you can do to your with your children than to train and to teach them how to do that. Listen, work ought to be the means by which we serve in labor in the gospel. I get it. We all have to pay bills. We all have things that that uh, that come up and, and, and we need to be working, but that is a means to our ministry. But if we're not careful, we can flip it upside down and begin serving work uh, and, and serving... Uh, maybe a position in laboring for that, and listen, our hobbies ought to be used for the gospel. Um, <clears throat> well let me let me filter that one out. Certainly, we need time to rest and to come apart. I believe that, but if we 're not careful, we will make an idol out of something that we call a hobby. We will make it a greater priority that it really is and And so listen, oftentimes if you have a hobby, there's other people that you share that interest with that aren't in church. You ought to be sharing Christ with those people. You can use it as an opportunity to witness and share the Lord with others. Many people have flipped it up. They got their family upside down. Their family's the priority. I got these kids. I I got whatever. I got work. I got to work to pay these bills so I can support my family. My family. Listen, those are all distractions that the devil uses to get us away from the main thing. Uh, To strive for the gospel. Only there is none other responsibility greater. We do have responsibilities and things that we need to take care of, but they should all lead us to that thing. Only as the first word in the sentence. And, And I looked this up, but grammarians, and that is a real word, I had to verify that. Uh, Call this, being the first word, the emphatic position. That is, Paul is emphasizing the solitary duty of politicking only for and on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, he is, listen to this, he is excluding the possibility of acting for another cause or government. Everything else should be excluded and only the gospel should be our focus only the gospel. Uh, Philippi was a proud uh, Roman colony. Uh, the greatest honor of any citizen was to be maybe a council member representing the people in, uh, with, with Rome. And, and uh, so by using the term only, Paul ex- excludes acting for any other purpose or any other cause and certainly any other civil order. Christians have a duty to the gospel and must conduct their affairs considering their citizenship in heaven. We can only have one decimal, one permanent legal home. Listen, we like to claim our citizenship in heaven. But do we allow that to control our conduct on earth? It ought to. It ought to control how we conduct ourselves. So our jobs, our hobbies, our families, all of who we are and what we do should be done in light of the furtherance of the gospel. Does the gospel consume your life? That's a sobering thought because we get so distracted. We do focus on work. And we ought to be hard workers. Don't misunderstand me. I always thrive to be, to be a hard worker and not be the bum dirtbag airman that nobody wanted to go to. And I think these go hand in hand. If you're striving to honor Christ, you'll just be a good worker. And you'll be a good father. You'll be a great mother in all those things. But listen, don't ever allow those things to distract you from your main responsibility. <clears throat> The church is a colony of heaven on earth. And we should live as citizens of that heavenly colony. And so not only is this conduct befitting of a Christian, but also the conduct ought to be becoming. The word becometh here means worthy, or after a godly sort is what it means. A Christian is to live a life worthy of the gospel. The word worthy was used to describe uh, the balancing of a scale. So, if one wanted to measure an ounce of gold, they would, excuse me, they would put a standard on one side of the scale that was a known weight, and then they would put, they would start adding gold flakes or whatever, gold pieces until it leveled out. And it was found to be worthy. It was uh, to scale, maybe some might say. And so they would put, the, there is a standard by which we must measure our life, and it's a heavenly standard. That standard is Christ. Listen, Christians were, were Christ-like, and I don't think anybody could argue that Christ was focused on His mission here on this earth. We're going to look at some verses here tonight in a moment, and uh, we are to strive to live up to that standard. Of course, we're not perfect, and... And I don't know if you guys remember WWJD. What would Justin do? Or I mean, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Listen, that, that was kind of commercialized, but there's a lot of truth that we can glean from that. Boy, is what I'm doing how Jesus would do it? Is how I'm conducting myself how Christ would? Is this how a citizen of heaven would act on earth? That's a good question to ask ourselves as we go about our life and as we walk this earth. And we should live a life that is befitting and becoming of a Christian. We should live as Christ. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ. When you really think about that, that's a convicting thought. His life was consumed with the mission of Christ so much so that for him to be there is to be as Christ is there, sharing the gospel and reaching the lost and, and shedding the love of Christ. So, however, why do we not strive together? We got this thing on the wall, striving together. Boy, we're going to work hard, we're going we're gonna to reach souls for Christ, and, and so why do we not strive together? Listen, I, I'm telling you tonight, if we're not striving individually, we cannot do it corporately. So if your life personally, individually, is it only focused on Christ, there is no way we can do it corporately. <laughs> because there won't be any unity. It'll be, a, it'll be a mess. Listen, we won't have the same mind, the same spirit. And so tonight, what is the mind that we ought to have? The mind of Christ. I mean, that permeates this book of Philippians. Look at what Paul says in verse 21. I I just quoted it a moment ago. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 21, it says, for me to live is Christ. I challenge you to meditate on that a little bit and think on that. When you're in your workplace, when you're in your home, listen, when you're at church, do people sense the presence of Christ? Or do all they hear about is your hunting story, your fishing story? The football game you were at. And listen, I just talked about football in Sunday school. So I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily, but listen, what is our focus here? Do people that you work with even know that you're a Christian? Does your family know? Our conversation, our lives ought to be a representative of Christ on this earth. We are his ambassadors, are we not? And so let's take a quick examination of the mind of Christ. Look at verse, or chapter two. We're going to read verses three through eight. It says, "Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory." Boy, there's an indictment oftentimes. We can't get anything done for God because we got strife and vainglory. But look what it says, "But in lowliness of mind, let each just seem other better than themselves. Listen, oftentimes we just want what we want. We can't strive together if we're going to be high-minded. And we have these vain ideas that we want to accomplish things. Uh, Listen, uh, we got to put those things aside. We got to lower ourselves. We got to humble ourselves and esteem others better. The reality is, if we really started looking at each other, most people are probably better than you. I know I am. Oh boy, you guys are tough tonight. I say that jokingly, but sometimes we get this idea that we, we are better. I think my way should be the way it goes. No. And in the church, we have a preacher. We have a pastor. And the Bible still teaches that we ought to obey them that have the rule over us. And so if he has ordained that we do, or decided that we're going to do things a certain way, we need to get behind him. Listen, you're getting behind God when you do that. And so let's flip that egg over and cook it on the other side. If you're not getting behind the pastor and you're not getting behind what he has, you're resisting God. God has put that man here to under-shepherd, to lead, and to guide. And so we need to get on board with the preacher. Someone has to be in charge, like it or not. And I know our pastor takes it serious. He will give an account. And so he's not just doing stuff on a whim because he thinks it's better to do it my way. I've traveled quite a bit. I've been in... I don't know, I lost count of how many churches. I think we had nine assignments. So it was at least nine churches, plus the TDYs and different long-term things, that, long-term places that I've been. And, and there's very few places that have a pastor that loves the church like here. Amen. Amen. I can say that from experience. That's right, and tonight we'll have an opportunity if we have any issues to deal with them. But anyway, let's let's not get ahead of the service here. But listen, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem better than themselves. Look at here. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. And so here's the mind of Christ, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And here's what he did. And this ought to be a challenge to each one of us. This is the creator of the earth. He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our only focus should be Obedience to the Father. Jesus Christ became obedient. He humbled himself. He obeyed unto death. I think the problem is we seek our own. Look at verses 20 and 21 in Philippians chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul. and Well, back up to verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. And so he's, he's trying to hear about how the, uh, the believers at Philippi are doing. And it says this. It says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And so there was a problem the Apostle Paul had faced. There was a shortage of people that he could trust In the advancement of the gospel. And look at what he says why? For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. There's the problem right there. We want it our way. We want things to go how we think they should. We want to seek our own. So we flip things upside down in our family. We, we flip things upside down in our workplaces and we make that the focus of our life. We embed ourselves into hobbies that are just a distraction from the advancement of the gospel. Listen, we get this thing all mixed up because we want it our way. We're after our own because we're not humble. We're not obedient. We can never strive together unless we're all striving for the same thing. And I'm afraid we can't effectively reach Rapid City because we got so many people promoting themselves and trying to do things their way because we don't have the mind of Christ. Listen, if we all had the mind of Christ, if we all had the singular focus that we would only be about the Father's business, that we would only be concerned with what is in advance of the gospel, that would unite us. But unfortunately, that doesn't always seem to be the case in our church. And and I would say all churches. And so my challenge to you tonight is, where's your focus? Where's your only? Your only focus should be Christ. We are to be an undivided people. It says we're to stand fast in one spirit and with one mind. Listen, we're not to be characterized by divisions and disunity. That's not God's intent. Look at what Jesus says in John 17, 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast seen me. And so, when we're not one of one mind and we're not in unity, we're hindering the ability to reach others, we're hindering the gospel. We all need the mind of Christ. <clears throat> Paul speaks here of striving together for the faith of the gospel. Was this not the singular focus of Jesus? He humbled himself and he became obedient unto death. He never wavered from his mission. He never wavered from, his, from the gospel. Lord, help us to not waver in our lives and how we serve him. The word strive is, is kind of an athletic term and it describes maybe a team. I went to a football game yesterday, so we can use a football illustration here. Real football, there's 11 men on each team on the, on the field. This arena football stuff we went to, there was only eight, it was an eight on eight, but nonetheless, um, listen, there can be all stars on a team. Pros, Will they make it the Pro Bowl or whatever they call them these days? Well, they can have all the skill and all the talent, but they'll never win that game alone. We need tacklers and blockers and, and, and passers, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, all of those things. They must work together. And last night I saw a fine example of guys that just weren't working together. Quarterback, you know, it, it's a quick play, right? Guy's running on the sideline, I'm gonna hit him. The receiver didn't even look. He was running a completely different play than what the quarterback must have called. Like, he threw it right at the back of his head. They didn't have the same focus, they weren't on the same page. They lost, by the way, big time. I don't think they've won a game yet, but. And so I wanna close with an illustration tonight. My challenge, I guess, is what's your focus? What's your only? If your only isn't the gospel, it's hindering the ability of our church to band together to go forward. Um, I mentioned we had 250 this morning in the, in, in the service. Praise the Lord. I mean, 250 people in this building. And so thank you guys for flexing and moving around and, and, and making folks fit, but Uh, I forgot to mention, we had a record number downstairs in the Sunday school. I think Brother Jones said there was 47. He's been praying for 50 for a while now, and we had 47 today. And and listen, if we're going to continue to grow and expand, and listen, it's not about just growing and getting numbers. Every single number represents a soul. And the ability to get them here and to minister to them and share the gospel with them and equip them For what? The work of the ministry. For the gospel's sake, so that we can advance on. But Herman Ostry's barn was under 29 inches of water because of a rising creek. He was a Bruno, Nebraska farmer, and he invited a few friends to what they called a barn raising. He needed to move his entire 17,000-pound barn to a new foundation more than 143 feet away. <clears throat> His son Mike devised a, a latticework of steel tubing and, and they nailed it and kind of bolted it together and they, and they fastened uh, hundreds of handles uh, to the out, outer edges of the barn. And they did one practice lift. After they did that practice lift, 344 volunteers slowly walked the barn up a slight incline, listen to this, each supporting less than 50 pounds, in just three minutes, the barn was on its new foundation. I've seen similar things take place when I was deployed. We've moved small tents a lot of times, even a small building or two a couple times uh, by just manpower. But listen, they all have to have the same focus. We dropped a tent one time and bent it all up and ruined it because nobody, not everybody was... We, half of the people thought we were going that way and the other half thought that way. And when you're not working together, the real heavy thing gets even heavier and people start dropping things and it twists and it broke it. But 344 people moved over 17,000 pounds uphill to a new foundation only because they were focused on the same goal. And the load was very manageable. Manageable. I think the boxes Wednesday are 50-some pounds. I made a joke about it. I can still lift 50-some pounds, by the way. Listen, we're going to only go forward for the cause of Christ if we do it together. We can't strive together if we're not all on the same page. We all should only have the gospel as our focus. Listen, this body of Christ can accomplish great things when we work together. But if we are divided and seeking our own, we will falter and fail in our responsibility to share the gospel in our community and abroad. And so, Lord, help us to have our only focus on Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for this thought of striving together. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help our people, Lord, to decide and to resolve that we will only focus on the gospel in our lives, and that every area of our lives will, Lord, surrender those areas to the gospel. And, and really, Lord, if it's not profitable for the gospel, that we would abandon those things. And so, Father, we pray that you do work in each and every heart tonight, moving lives, and I pray that you would be glorified in all of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.